Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Senator Nina Turner, sister and friend, former Ohio State Senator, Rebel HQ superstar. <laughs> Top story of the day. Well, Georgia lawmaker says basically to, to the DA, are we going to have to get our guns? Paraphrasing, threatening a civil war because the lawmaker does not like the fact that his friends are being prosecuted in Fulton County. Here it is. My goodness, how many people in my district questioned that election? I mean, and now that we've got 19 people who are facing the rest of their life in prison because they spoke out against an election. I mean, you know, I, I told one senator, I said, listen, I said, we've got to put our heads together and figure this out. We need to be taking action right now, because if we don't, our constituencies are going to be fighting it in the streets. Do you want a civil war? I don't want a civil war. I don't want to have to draw my rifle. I want to make this problem go away with my legislative means of doing so. And the first step to getting that done is defunding Fonnie Willis of any Georgia tax dollars. And hopefully Representative Jordan and Representative Biggs will follow suit in Congress and strip her of her federal dollars too, because she is not upholding her oath to the Constitution. I mean, when white bigoted people say defund the police, they go all in. They're talking about all avenues to the DA's office who has to investigate crime, including the ones not related to Donald Trump. Well, this particular lawmaker, put him up for a mask. Interesting fellow, let's keep it up. Georgia State Senator Colton Moore is his name. On Tuesday, he said that although he'd prefer to resolve differences with his political adversaries peacefully, he won't rule out violence against those behind what he described as Nazism, which is insane. So you have this guy, he doesn't like this young lady. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. I have to remind the Senator of Georgia that citizens in Fulton County voted for this indictment twice. You are not simply going against the will of a black woman, as your colleagues tell you. You are going against the will of the entire jury, both times. There's more. He also stated, quote, I was talking to one of my fellow senators today. I said, what was the last time you spent a million dollars on anything? Moore said in an apparent reference to state Senator Sean Steele, who is among 18 co-defendants along with former President Trump, who were indicted earlier this month on allegations they tried to overturn the 2020 election in the state of Georgia. I was like, we got a fellow senator going to spend a million dollars in defense of himself. But it's just like Nazi Germany, I mean, they want to call us the Nazis and their actions are Nazism. Uh, so. He's literally saying it's time to pass a law because a colleague is being prosecuted. All right, I mean, he says, first they go to your enemies. More added an apparent reference to the poem, first they came 
and you don't say anything because they're your enemies. And that's exactly where the governor is right now. He looks at Donald Trump as an enemy. So he's like, I'm not gonna say anything, right? Okay, so now he joins a list of individuals who hold this same ideology who are currently elected officials, such as Marjorie Taylor Greene in the state of Georgia, Matt Gates in the state of Florida. Multiple Republicans have done this, where they have not only toyed with the idea of civil war, they have proclaimed that it is next if they don't get their legislative weight. Senator, you had to work with a body, a legislative body to get things done. What goes through your mind when you hear someone in a legislature say something like this? Well, Doc, certainly absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, they want to claim that the prosecutor is abusing her authority. They are not only trying abusing, trying to abuse their authority, willing to try to pass legislation on top of wanting the feds to pass legislation as well, but threatening all-out violence. It's, it really is, it shakes me to even have to call this man a senator, but nevertheless, he was duly elected too, and that should say a lot, or that says a lot about the types of people who put him into office. But these folks really do believe that they are above the law, and they are comporting themselves that way. I mean, if I closed my eyes, Doc, and didn't know that we were in the 21st century, I would swear we were back in the 19th and 20th century. He sounds very much like the segregationist leaders of the 19th and 20th century, whether they were mayors, whether they sat on city councils, whether they were in legislatures like he is, or whether they were in the halls of Congress. We could take his words and overlay them on the words of, of, of people who've come before him who felt and thought the same way. How dare this black woman? She didn't got too big for a britches, she got too much power. And the absolute point that you made that she was duly elected just like he was duly elected, period. That's right. And that is still, at least now, Senator, a great constitutional dynamic. We can still elect people That's in right. most places. All right. Um, hell of a thing, racial slur, spray painted. Because, well, the homeowner is black. Let's put it up, the insanity of it all. Police are now looking into an incident where a predominantly black neighborhood in Montgomery, Alabama was spray painted with racist messaging. Otis Ramos made the discovery around 4 a.m. and the unknown perpetrator also shattered the window to his kid's room. He further discovered that his home was spray painted with, with swastikas and the car was painted with racial slurs. Ramos home was not the only one that got hit. Other people in the community experienced it as well. Possible motive, Ramos who was relatively new to the neighborhood said he thinks the issue stems from an encounter at a nearby gas station where a man asked him for money, WSFA reported. Ramos declined because he had no cash on him. He and the man got into a heated verbal dispute. He said a man who was captured on camera walking in his neighborhood that morning appeared to be the same person from the confrontation, according to the report. So the authorities had a response. Montgomery police officers arrived at the scene 
around 6.30 a.m. They said they're investigating the matter as a hate crime. We are looking at the act as a hate crime or hate crimes violation. And we'll complete a thorough report with all pertinent facts for presentation to a federal partner. That's according to a spokesperson. The mayor, his name is Steve Reed. Reed told local officials, said local officials are working to locate and hold the perpetrators accountable. We are aware of this incident. And we will work with the victims and community members to prosecute those responsible for this cowardly act to the fullest extent of the law, he said during the press conference. All right, once again, Alabama, a place we've covered multiple times. So it is interesting that the system of Alabama typically does not respond in unison when it comes to these obvious racial attacks. And they never never seem to attribute some of the ideology on the perspective of their political colleague. Because many of them engage in the radicalization of these same individuals who commit these acts. But they do, if egregious enough, law enforcement will contextualize it as a danger and they are going to get that person and justice will be served. Well, that strong talk is to dissuade you from the reality that they don't want to attack the system that produced them. So they rather just go to him and make you forget about the them. All right, Senator, thoughts? There it is, Doc. I mean, that we are dealing with system, whether it's Montgomery, Alabama, whether it's Jacksonville, Florida, whether it's Buffalo, New York, we can go on and on. Uh, the, the, the summer, the red summer of 1919 comes uh, fresh to mind, where over three dozen race riots broke out in these United States of America that particular summer, all at the hands of white supremacists, anti black racism. And it is important that we put anti-black on this. This ain't some just some global racism. This is particularly targeted towards black people. And the fact that Mr. Ramos and his neighbors had to endure this is, is a shame. The fact that the person, the so-called person asking him for money, think about this, the man must have followed him home. He must have been following him because how else would he have known where he lives? And Mr. Ramos or anybody else, they don't have they don't have to give a panhandler money. I mean, many of us do, but there's no obligation to do so. But back to the point that you're making about it is easier and the police should go all out to find this person, no doubt about it. There's an and here that is bigger than the police. And that is how are we going to deal with the deep rooted systemic failings of the United States of America when it comes to black bodies, black hearts, black minds. How are we gonna deal with that? This is an and, this is a this is a both and situation. Well said, very well said. We have an indisputable exclusive truck drivers. They go to a local Denny's. According to them, they were ignored. And then told the police had been called. We have the video. Here it is. So, to make the situation more calm, because we do have a lot of people here, it would just be nice if you guys could leave. But we aren't. I can't what do we do, guys? I have no idea. I'm not in the situation, but um, she like just like to make it more calm. She said like you guys can come and leave because we do have a lot of people around, or the police will be on their way because they are. So. But why do we have to leave? We just came to order food. Yeah, of course. I don't understand. Like, what, what do I, we do? I don't know. <clears throat> 
That's not right, man. Like, like uh, we, we were planning on leaving, but we wanted to wait for the police to get here because we wanted her name. Yeah, she didn't want to give us her name. Because we want to submit a complaint. Okay. She doesn't, she refused to yeah, give us her name. Yeah, she doesn't have to give her name. She had, but she works here, right? We we're expecting for, we waiting for a manager. Right? Okay, yeah. Do they have a well, manager? Um, on here? Did you guys do anything? No, we don't have a manager in today. They're all off because they've been working though. like so all week. If we leave, so if I leave and the police get here, mm-hmm. she could just come up and say anything. I'm trying mm-hmm. to rob them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You um, know, like, did you guys do anything to disturb her or disturb any customers? No, no, when she walked by, yes. I, I, I said, excuse me, because it yeah. seemed like she was, you know. Oh, yeah, it's really busy today. No, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, I said, excuse me, because he's been sitting here for 15 minutes. Yeah, of course. So, you know, when she left, she came back with the millions. And yeah. she said, well, I don't want to be yelled at. Yeah. And I said, I didn't yell at you. You know, I didn't. I got more video. Here it is. Yeah, I Can we talk outside real quick? Yo, what's going this? I am. Can we talk outside real quick? Outside here. Wow. That's crazy. They're refusing to serve us. That's crazy. That's crazy. They're refusing to serve us. I got more video. I got more background. I have responses. It is a hell of a story. How do we get here? Put them up. These gentlemen. Mr. Damon Whitfield and Mr. Hector Madera pulled into a pilot truck stop. This was in Sioux Falls, North Dakota. They went there because truck drivers go there to shower, grab food. And the waitress refused to take their order. Looks like they called the police to remove them. So according to the two men, They waited for roughly an hour before their order was even taken. Mr. Madera said, excuse me, end quote, to the waitress to gather her attention. And she responded, quote, I don't need you people to call me over to you, end quote. She then told them she wasn't serving them and they needed to leave or she would call the police. In another video shot by Mr. Whitfield, you can see another black patron being ignored by the same waitress. We got video of that. Here it is. That's the lady that refuses to serve us. Let's go to that screenshot. This is a Denny's restaurant. So after the incident, the two men spoke to an employee in the truck stop who claimed the waitress was the wife of the direct, excuse me, district manager of the pilot stop. Mike Fletcher, Mr. Fletcher allegedly offered the two men a free meal after the incident, but they refused. The next day, they called the corporate office, they called Denny's corporate to explain the situation and claim they didn't even receive an apology 
So Mr. Whitfield told Indisputable, quote, we pulled into a pilot truck stop in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to show up, to shower up and get something to eat. We were the only black people in there, 30 minutes goes by, 50 minutes, etc. So my partner said politely, excuse me, we are ready to order. She said, quote, I will get to you when I'm ready. I don't need you people to call me over to you, end quote. Then she said, I'm not serving you people. Do you have to leave now or I'm calling the cops? It also continued, we were humiliated and embarrassed, walked out like criminals. Everyone looking at us like, what a shame. White people will never understand that racism, what racism is or how it affects or how it feels to be looked at like you did something wrong. No one from Denny's has called to apologize to them. I called them and told them what happened the next day. They just took the info and never responded. Um, so we reached out, Twitter up. We reached out. This is the CEO. Her name is Kelly. Kelly has not responded. I think. Someone is going to respond today though. Now, Denny's, you have been here before, or you thought we forgot. You've been here before. Now, the protocols of a Denny's should be so solid as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That something like this should never happen because Denny's you should have never relaxed because somehow our community forgave you of the incidents of past. But today, not responding to the incidents of now will not work. We're gonna stay on top of this story, let you know what Denny says this week, give you the update as it comes. Senator, thoughts? Definitely stay on this doc, I mean, I'm just shaking. I, I could levitate off the floor right now. Again, just as the other story, what flipping century are we in? See, it's these microaggressions. I hope people understand this, or if you're not black or you never endured this, take it from us. These microaggressions, these slights every single day, just building up, building up, building up. That was that kind of moment. And when those police officers can't, you know, they're being asked to leave and then the police come and they haven't done anything wrong at all, just ordering while black. We have been down this path in the United States of America before, and we are right back here again. And too many, not all, but too many of our white sisters and brothers and family and friends, and in many cases, I am using that very lightly, have they definitely think it's okay to treat black people this way. I mean, Doc, I'm looking, I, look, I, any day now, we might see colored and, and, and white water fountains back up, yep. or colored and white waiting rooms back up. I mean, there are elders in our lives who are still walking, living today, who actually were children and had to watch their parents be treated in this disrespectful, racist, anti-black way. Now, we know all this is illegal, but it's the difference between de jure and de facto. 
What's in law may not necessarily present itself in people's action. And the fact that this chick thought it was okay to treat them this way and absolutely refused to serve them. And then the police didn't ask no questions. They just walk up to the brothers and assume, because you know what? Far too often in the United States of America, when you are black, you are guilty and you constantly have to prove not only that you're innocent, you have to prove your humanity. I concur 100%. I thought it was quite interesting, Senator, that the person who was the proxy waitress, when asked the question, well, why are we being asked to leave? Well, I don't know, I wasn't, I'm not in it, no ma'am. You put yourself in it or allow somebody to place you there, but you are definitely in it now. That's it. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Karen confronted by a neighbor after she refused to allow a food delivery driver into the building. So you just act like the police here and- No, I don't, sir. So why didn't you let my delivery- Because we have had so much stuff around here and we live in a secure building for a Yeah, reason. so you didn't see that no. he had food in his hand to that, deliver to me? I don't know, he could be trying four people. How is this any of your here. business? Why are you sitting in the lobby because monitoring what goes here. on here? I live here too. I want to get my in. food delivered to my then door. Buzzed I buzzed him in and you stopped him. Okay, so you're just the police of who gets buzzed no. into the door now? No, I just. I'm going to go talk to the landlord right now. Go right ahead. I expect an apology right soon. Absolutely. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> Sir. On an apology, you can't wait, sir. I promise that apology is not coming. Let's put up the picture full mass. I had to look at this twice. Because initially, if you're not careful, you will say, well, maybe that, maybe it's not all that bad that she's out there. Okay. But then you realize this woman literally has on a COVID mask. And her grandson's leather jacket. This woman is risking her life to sit outside of the elevator. Karen, now damn it, you cannot go post buzz, Karen. Once they're buzzed in, they get to come upstairs, Karen. She is literally risking her life in order to tell this man. His delivery person cannot come upstairs. Senator, these folks ain't scared of nothing. They damn sure not scared of whoever coming up the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> you said she can't go post buzz. Now you got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> I caught too much time on her hands. That's what this is all about. We need Karen to go get a hobby, baby, sweetie, please. Go shopping, so as Dr. Richie said, so you can give your grandson back his jacket. Right, yeah, that was baby, you need a hobby, and it shouldn't be that. There you go. All right. PSA done. Okay. Hell of a story. Hell of a story. They got a cop in trouble. Put up the picture of, of what this cop did to a child. You see that? A teenager, only 15 years of age. Delaware State Police have now suspended one of their own for allegedly beating this 15 year old Jaden of Wilmington after the teen ding dong ditched the troopers home. What is that? Knocking on the door and running, okay? It's a prank. 
is something that's immature and fun. Children will do those things. This is a child. But of the other injury. So this cop literally, according to the narrative, chased this child to his home and beat him with his bare hand. The injury sustained by the teen at the hands of the trooper included a broken orbital, a broken orbital bone. He'll need surgery for that, a concussion. Cuts, bruises surrounded his whole body. Now Jaden's family has hired attorney Samuel Davis, Davis, um, who elaborated further on the injuries to ABC6 Action News. Quote, there's bruises all over his body, on his shoulder. There's bruises on his chest. There's bruises on the back of his neck, end quote. For ABC6, the family claims on Monday, the child and his friends were playing a game of ding dong ditch. They were ringing doorbells and running away when they inadvertently rang the bell of the state trooper. They say about 45 minutes later, the officer and his partner found the group of boys and arrested them. Jaden was roughed up on the ground while handcuffed. And he was given a blind haymaker punch by a state trooper while he was shining a flashlight into his eyes, says Davis. Though the boys were handcuffed and arrested, none were charged with a crime. Delaware State Police, they released a statement saying the troopers were wearing department issued body cameras. And after reviewing that footage, the officer accused of assault has been suspended with while investigation is pending. The troopers partners, they're also under investigation for their actions or lack thereof during the situation. Put them up. The officer and his partner have not yet been identified. They play this game during stages of an investigation. But hopefully, Colonel Melissa Zebley of Delaware State Police will do the right thing. Senator, hell of a situation, but the officer should have been arrested. There is nothing that was done under any legal or constitutional dynamic anyone could find. And it's to a child, this is a minor. What you did is child abuse and you were able to simply be suspended. Make it make sense. Yeah, can't make it make sense, Doc. Yeah, both of them should have been arrested and then you still investigate. But that investigation should last about 60 seconds, maybe 120. You got all the evidence that you need to fire both of these troopers. No telling what else they've done for done to people. I mean, they did this to a child, I bet you. I bet you they've been abusive in their in the line of duty on a regular basis because this is not the first time is they did that just too cool, calm and collectively to a child. Now it might be annoying for them to ring your door, but but that's all it is. You know, kids are gonna be kids. I'd rather them do that than other things that they could be getting into. And then lastly on this point, we know that children's brain, the development, you know, there there's studies out there to show it don't happen until you're 25. I mean, they're gonna just do silly stupid things, but it's just a minor annoyance. What kind of, 
They're not human beings, right? They're comporting themselves. They're vicious and they're violent and they need to be taken off the street. And they lucky that wasn't my grandma because my grandma had a saying, doc. She said, you mess with mine, I'm going to jail and you going to hell. Yeah, my grandmother used to say something very similar. Yeah, we'll bring you updates as they come. We got more on the other side, indisputable, stick a stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Okay. Interesting stuff. Let me go to Winter Scoop. Winter Scoop. I was surprised to hear that the cop was suspended. Then I saw the kid was white and I wasn't surprised anymore. You know, this is such a an, an ironic context in some regard, right? Because we've been saying if they think they can do it to one community. That eliminates any justification needed to go for another. All right, Vincent Morales should have answered her riddle. Karen, it blocks the delivery, that's funny. There's a guy who's trafficking drugs, who's the police. Because his daddy is a drug dealer too. Uh, but there's a twist to this story. Let's put him up full mask. So trafficking organization, that's what this is. A trafficking organization pleaded guilty on Monday. So this guy admitted to lying during an interview with FBI agents on April 2019. When drug smugglers kidnapped his father. Talavera Jr. said his father, Pablo Talavari Sr., wasn't involved with drug trafficking. Now, that's a hell of a statement. Jr., however, had known for years that his father actually did, in fact, smuggle drugs. Talavera lied to the FBI during a critical moment, betraying his badge and breaching the public trust. US attorney Al, excuse me, Alam, Alamdar S. Hamdani said in a statement, quote, in doing so, Pablo chose his father's criminal organization over the people he was sworn to protect. Now this office will hold him to account for his corruption. So Junior worked for the Texas Department of Public Safety. That was between 2015 to 2021, according to documents released under the State's Information Act. The FBI arrested the Junior during an investigation that focused on his father. Pablo, who headed a drug trafficking organization that smuggled methamphetamine from Texas to Tennessee, In the course of the investigation, FBI agents learned that Senior made representations that he and his family members, he had family members, excuse me, both in corrections and with probation that could assist with him obtaining information for the benefit of the DTO, which is their organization. That's according to the complaint. So Talavera Senior, who claimed to have an attorney friend who could get Stinger any information on any case, 
for a fee of several thousand dollars. The FBI also discovered that Junior worked for the Department of Public Safety. And the former told the FBI that Junior quote utilized his position as a Texas DPS state trooper to obtain and provide law enforcement sensitive information and escort money, bunch of cash and or narcotic loads for the Talavera DTO. That's according to the criminal complaint against um, agents set up a sting in the operation. So now this is interesting. You basically have an individual who's part of, an, of a legit, not legit criminal enterprise. This is a significant criminal enterprise. On July 30th, 2021, an informant met with Senior. During the meeting, the informant posed the question to Senior if he could obtain the registration information for a car that had been impounded by the Department of Public Safety in Live Oak County. Senior said yes, he agreed and said his son had assisted the drug trafficking organization in the past, according to the complaint. The informant provided Senior with the car's license plate number. On the 8th of August, the informant received a text from Senior that included the registration information. The FBI then posed the question. They asked the Department of Safety, the Department of Public Safety to review the data from the law enforcement telecommunication system. Every state has it to find out who searched for that number. That's how the system works now. It was Junior. It was Junior's account according to the criminal complaint. So during a conversation with the cooperating defendant in the case, Junior admitted that he conducted searches for his father. One was a recent query in quote told on himself. Okay? According to the criminal complaint, which summarized that Talavera Jr. told the cooperating defendant and the other uh, and the other occurred a long time ago. End quote. The criminal complaint doesn't identify who the cooperating defendant is by name. Um, so what happened? Well, Junior agreed to a plea deal, naturally. Agreed to a plea deal, plead guilty to simply making a false statement to the FBI, which is punishable by a maximum of five years in prison in exchange. Prosecutors agreed to drop the drug charge. As part of his plea, Talavera Jr. admitted that he also made those false statements to the FBI when drug smugglers kidnapped his father. Okay. So, first of all, obviously, everyone should understand it's not just senior and junior. Obviously, junior would have never been the brains of the operation anyway. So he ends up caught up in a major criminal investigation against major narcotic runners, right? He gets off with simply pleading guilty to telling a fib to the FBI. Isn't that ironic? All right, Senator, how do you see this? I mean, certainly uh, I got higher expectations of the two toddlers in my life than they did of this guy who holds the community trust. Brothers on the street got more time for dime bags mm. than what yeah. this 
person who took an oath of office to protect and to serve to uphold the law. And he is involved in a criminal, you know, a sting operation as you laid out. I'm not surprised, but this is stunningly embarrassing. And it is a reminder because oftentimes doc, people assume that just because a person is of a certain profession, we should give them deference in terms of they don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't steal, they don't kill, they don't destroy. But this story right here is should remind us that all people are human, no matter if they law enforcement, teachers, yep. doctors, lawyers, priests, preachers, anybody can be fallible. And that we should not put people like this on the pedestal. Now they have a higher obligation to not do these things, but that that assumption that law enforcement would never ever do anything wrong. Well, this story right here just makes it plain yeah. that they too can be involved in criminal deeds. Yeah, extreme. All right, update guaranteed to come. What if I told you a 73 year old woman goes to the airport? She's unsheltered. She gets arrested, taken away. She dies. Nobody has any answer. We got a lot of questions. Let's go to the picture full mass. This is in Arlington, Virginia. On August 13th, police spotted a 73 year old homeless woman, unsheltered woman. At Reagan National Airport, attempting to rest. That's it, attempting to rest. So they decided to charge the 73 year old with trespassing, criminal trespassing, and took her to the Arlington County Detention Center. While still being held there two weeks later, she collapsed and ultimately died. Her name was Abinesh Wood Georges. Background on what happened to this woman. According to court records that show Wood Georges, who did not have a fixed address, was forbidden from entering the Dulles International Airport in October 2019 after authorities found her lingering in terminals, according to them, after Posted hours. In May 2020, the Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority arrested her for being in the airport's main terminal. There's more. In May 2021, authorities arrested, arrested this woman after she was found lying under a blanket in the terminal. Court records show she was convicted in both cases. She was found guilty in absentia and found and fined in the first. And pleaded guilty and was sentenced to three days in jail in the second. Um, absentia because she probably did not have a way to check her mail to go to court or even get to court. Uh, in May this year, police decided to charge her again with uh, after they conducted a welfare check. According to the records, she was granted bail, Luton County. But she was later charged with failing to appear. At a July 19th hearing in that case, 73 years old, Luton officials had scheduled her for another hearing on Monday, about 3 a.m., August 13th. The airport authority said in a statement that the police encountered her inside a public area of Reagan National Airport in Arlington. They arrested her 
send her to the Arlington jail. The office of the medical, the chief medical examiner did not give a cause of death Monday. Arlington Commonwealth's attorney, Parisa Hafti, said the Arlington County Police Department is investigating the matter, adding that her office would closely follow detective work. Tafty expressed her sincere condolences to the family. Arlington Chief Public Defender Brad Haywood, whose office represented the young lady before she died, having all of that against her at 73 and still had that kind of spot. Said Arlington has a broken behavioral health infrastructure. In which social programs aim to help people in crisis are not given the resources needed to be successful. When you have people who don't have beds to sleep in, you find them sleeping in the airport or the metro, and it's considered trespassing, he said. Then it ends up in the sheriff's lap. She's actually the eighth person to die in the Arlington County Jail in the past eight years. Paul Thompson, 41, was the last person to die in that jail. ARL now reported, he died on February 1st, 2022. And was also being held on a trespassing charge when he died. After Thompson's death in February, 2022, the County Sheriff's Office implemented a health and medical care reform to improve medical care, including medical devices to track heart rates, alert workstations, etc. They got a new sheriff, okay? He hasn't been on the job for a long time. Jose Hiraz Jr. started serving as of this year. We are going to give the sheriff an opportunity here. We're going to give him an opportunity here. Senator thoughts. Yeah, just heartbreaking doc and I agree we should give the new sheriff already. He's starting to implement some systemic fixes within the department that but for his leadership would not be there. But we need to question ourselves as a society as we continue to criminalize poverty. I'm thinking about as I go through my own airport, the Hopkins airport and they have a recording playing all the time that you may be arrested. You could be subject to arrest if you're not here for a legitimate reason. Uh, the system failed her as it has failed all the other folks. And I think really in the court system, too, and we're asking law enforcement, you know, when people call this as a nuisance, law enforcement is technically doing their job, but we're asking law enforcement to take care of problems that they should not have to deal with. I believe there should be a specialized court, Doc. You know how we, in certain yep. cities, they have drug court. There yep. should be a specialized court to deal with people who are either in a mental health crisis or homelessness crisis so that they're not in the regular population in a regular course so that they can get the time and attention that they need. This is so much bigger than the sheriff's department. And I love what the with the Arlington NAACP branch though, the president there is making it plain. I mean, he has very three quest, three main questions. He said, why was you know, a 73 year old woman who was suffering from mental illness held in jail for that long? That's a very good question. Number two, why is Arlington County criminalizing homelessness? And number three, why do all of these incidences exclusively impact people of color. There you go. Yeah. We need answers. Yeah. All right.
We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stick. All right, welcome back. Let me remind everyone live, you have a video to submit. Here are the rules, very simple, very straightforward. If you know of corruption, if you've seen something that we have not, and it warrants attention, make sure you send it in. We appreciate you in advance. Okay, we got a lot of comments. I will read as many as I can. Heart Sound says, and I quote, so fitting, it happened at Reagan Airport, who was arguably credited, yeah, for kicking the unhoused crisis into full gear. Completely accurate. Completely accurate. Basically, opened up the doors throughout mental institutions all over America, threw people out. Insane. Okay, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon. Uh, thank you for that, Bernie. Hello, Dr. Rich, and hello, somebody. Senator, you still have your fight extinction next to you at all times, missing your show. We all are. That's awesome. All right. No late, Nola Late, excuse me. Welcome to Indisputable. Thank you so much. Smiling Faces, member for six months. Hello, Doc and Senator Turner. Glad to be here today with you all. And just want to say, keep up the good work. Hello, somebody. You got to say it. I, you know, that's not mine. That's yours. Hello, somebody. There you go. <laughs> Could not let you leave without saying that. All right. Um, once again, a major, major company. Well, treating black employees very bad, according to the complaint. Uh, let's put up the alleged victim. Full mask. 3M. Many of us are familiar with the company. So 3M corporate is being sued by former employees claiming they were racially discriminated against or retaliated against at the company's manufacturer in South Dakota. So John Wingo pictured here along with Desiree Holler, Titus Cargbo and Von Wingo allege in separate claims they were retaliated against after making complaints about their coworkers and supervisors discriminatory conduct. This discriminatory conduct is the basis for the lawsuit. And they're asking for compensatory damages, including emotional distress, lost wages, lawyer fees, and other relief as the court deems just and equitable. So what happened? 2018, let's go to it. 2018, Von Wingo, was told by a 3M supervisor that management would not make him a permanent employee because he was black. That's according to the claim. Quote, this is not my circus, but you are my monkey. And I'm not going to hire you. Von Wingo alleges he was told. Between January 2020 and 2021, multiple coworkers who joined his department received certification while Mr. John Wingo was refused. Wingo also alleged that he was called the N-word and told he looked and moved like a monkey by a coworker. After reporting the racial slurs to a supervisor, he returned to work only for the coworker to repeatedly poke him 
in his chest. Wingo and his younger brother Vaughn, who were uh, Vaughn, were also subjected to their co-workers laughing as they pointed out a noose hanging from an entrance entrance at the Centennial Village while attending the Brown County Fair back in August 2019, according to the claim. The co-workers mocked, hanging themselves with hand gestures as they told the Wingos that they wanted to bring back the good old days and said, quote, how does it feel to be you? The elder Wingo recorded the exchange on video. And when he returned to work, he tried to show it to a supervisor, a superior supervisor, Dave Rook. However, Rook declined to watch the video because it happened outside of the workplace, despite Wingo saying that he feared for his safety. On April 17, 2021, the elder Wingo claims he was physically assaulted by coworkers Hu Mu and Yanni So at this at his home, and he feel excuse me filed a police report with the police department in Aberdeen. Three days later, they both approached Wingo while he was working alongside Desiree Holler on a machine in the back, isolated and made Wingo fear for his life after they threatened him, called him racial slurs. That's according to the claim. Holler claims she witnessed the harassment. After Wingo complained, he was told that the discrimination would be dealt with. However, the following day, Mu approached Wingo in the break room at work and said, this N-word is a B. He was told by management after he lodged another complaint, he's not calling you that every night at work. I know he's done it in the past, end quote. After he supported his brother and notified management about the racial slurs and harassment, he was ghosted by the company who never gave him any more shifts, he claims. The Star Tribune reports that the supervisors are accused of ignoring the threats and harassment while focusing on Wingo's job performance. After injuring his shoulder on the job in February, he continued to show up for work, but was sent home rather than given lighter duties. He was terminated over several months. Cargbo quit August 2021 after being retaliated against for supporting Wingo, he claimed. Holler was also harassed for providing a statement supporting Wingo and reprimanded for being one minute late after returning from a break. She told the truth, she's under oath, what did you see? And she told them the truth. Statement from 3M, okay? Um, and let's go, go ahead and put up the guy in charge. So this is their statement. John Wingo's allegations involved two individuals with whom he had a personal financial dispute arising outside of work. These individuals had competing allegations and accused John Wingo of harassment. The company said in a statement to the Star Tribune, 3M has investigated the allegations brought by all of these individuals, including the plaintiffs, plaintiffs and others, and continuously works to promote safe and respectful workplaces and all of our sites. 
including our site in Aberdeen, end quote. Well, it won't be that easy, gentlemen. So look at the dynamic that's in front of us. You have allegations of racial discrimination and also allegations of racial slurs. It looks as if the issue of being called a racial slur is something that they all agree happened. As one supervisor said, according to him, well, it's not like he does it every night. So that, that is enough for a CEO to get involved. That part, and if you don't, you're telling not only the world who you are, but you're letting us know how deep it goes. Being non-racist, creating policies and holding people accountable to them protects you ultimately. But you're willing to mess yourself up to try to mess somebody else up. Isn't that something? Senator, Good. Uh, let me know how you feel about that idea uh, that permeates from a lot of these individuals that will harm themselves to harm us. Well, it's really disgusting, Doc. But I, I, a deeper thing that I think we all should think about is that ultimately they know very few consequences will happen. Mm-hmm. That it is okay in many cases, there are very few consequences and repercussions for coming at black people like this. It is clear that the environment within that 3M plant is that of harassment and anti-blackness, that it is acceptable because that starts at the top, at the top of the management of that particular plant. And as you read the statement from the, the head people, they really just do not care. And you know why? Because Again, there are no consequences and repercussions. You know, I think about the Black Lives Movement itself, the largest mass movement of the 21st century. And, and we needed the word 200 behind that, because that's really what that was about. Black Lives Matter 2. Right. A calling a, a Wingo, a, a equating him to a monkey, you know, that's very much rooted in the pseudosciences that bigots and races have used throughout. You know, decades to come to describe black people that somehow we're just a little higher form of the apes. This stuff is not new, Doc. So almost every story that we've talked about today is just a constant reminder that America has not answered to its original sin, and that is the degradation and the dehumanization of black people. And it permeates through all of the factors of society, social, political, economic. It is here. And unless we are willing to deconstruct our construction and do something systemically, not just in on political spaces, but in corporate spaces too, we're going to keep having stories just like this pop up over and over and over and over again. It makes my blood boil. Very well said. And I guarantee there will be an update once the suit is rebutted. Oh, all right. Have you all seen this? It is extreme. Last Saturday, a massive fire erupted at a marathon petroleum refinery in Louisiana. I want you to know about this because it may not connect unless we connect the dots together. Let me go to the video. Tonight, a fire emergency at one of the largest oil refineries in the US. Oh my God. 
Footage shows flames and thick black smoke ripping through Marathon Petroleum in Gareville, Louisiana, about 40 miles west of New Orleans. The fire burning through a storage tank and causing the leak of a potentially dangerous chemical, prompting evacuation orders and schools to go on lockdown. The smell was bad. And I was like, we got to go inside. I didn't want to breathe it in any longer than I needed to. Lindsay Montz lives near the plant. Her daughter, along with hundreds of her classmates, sheltering in place at a local high school. I was in shock. I actually took a video and I was like, oh, my God. I've never seen anything like that before. It was crazy. Marathon Petroleum, which runs the refinery, says the chemical being released into the air is known as naphtha. It's a, a partially refined product that uh, that we use it as feedstock or, or components to make gasoline. According to the CDC, short-term exposure is associated with eye and lung irritation, respiratory issues, and a slowing down of the nervous system. A slowing down of the nervous system. I mean, do you mean until the point of death? Because that's what happens when the nervous system turns off. Hell of a story. Put it a full mass. After four days of fighting a massive fire, at the Marathon Petroleum Refinery. St. John Baptist Parish leaders say the blaze is fully extinguished. Marathon executives said a leak of the chemical naphtha, which is used to make gas, gasoline, ignited around the massive, excuse me, the massive storage tank. The company used a dike to keep the fire from igniting nearby tanks that may also contain highly flammable material. The hazardous fire prompted St. John Baptist Parish leaders to evacuate two mile safety zone around the refinery. This is why local politics become so important. Every time there's a vote, there's a policy connected to that person. The regulation or lack thereof is because of a policy or group of them passed by politicians. The local zoning that allowed it to be built in a particular area that did in fact put children at risk was based on a policy connected to a politician. No matter how you look at this, and I'm saying this in all due respect to white, black, brown, young, not so young, it doesn't matter. Any one of us breathe in that garbage, we are going to be sick. And some of us may die, but the point is every single one of us would be adversely affected by this, that no politics included. This is about common sense, the progress of something called life. Past issues with the same refinery. The refinery has a colored safety history. State and federal inspections and incident investigation reports from regulators revealed that the Marathon Oil Refinery in Garyville has had serious problems regarding chemical leaks and fires in recent years. Now, I want to ask the local community did they tell you all about these serious issues? 
You cannot blame the federal government on that. You can't blame the current or former president. Your local officials did that to you. All right, Senator Thoughts. Well, I will add to that, Doc, and no doubt, definitely local officials, and you are absolutely right. The politics, the policy, who gets, who doesn't get, who lives, who lives matter, who do not, is all wrapped up into this. The state and the feds, however, have an obligation. They've already done investigations. It has been determined that this refinery was problematic. Who was inspecting? Who was watching the watcher? Who was watching the watcher? Who was watching the watcher? So when you have elected officials, whether they're local, regional, state, or federal, those kind, those types who don't want any type of regulations, they want laissez fair. They just want businesses and corporations to be able to do whatever the hell they want to do. This is the result. Every human being deserves clean air, clean water, clean food. And we have got to have inspectors inspecting what they expect and making sure that the consequences and the repercussions to these corporations are so resounding that they wouldn't dare allow another accident like this to happen. If they mamas and daddies were living in these communities, they would be singing a different tune, but because right. it is not directly impacting them, they don't give a damn. This reminds me of what happened in East Palestine, Ohio. Same thing. All over again. Similar. Yes, absolutely. All right. We'll keep you updated if there's an update at all. There's a cop, a cop involved in a nightclub fight with women. All right. Now he's back to work. Now you're going to. Notice something quite interesting about this cop. Put up the picture. Okay. So he's an angry guy in that picture. In Massachusetts, WSB TV's investigate team, their investigative team uncovered a video showing the off duty cop, he's a state trooper, involved in an altercation with multiple women. And one man in October of 2021. You see the first glimpse. So, as a result of their report, the trooper was suspended. He was suspended without pay for two years, but now the outlet has learned the state police are giving him a gun and a badge and putting him back on the state patrol again. Let's put up the picture of the cell phone snapshot. So, Given you the scene, there's an argument. It looks like he pushes one of the women. There's a push back. It's tough to tell in that angle, but there was a brawl. At the conclusion, seemingly conclusion of that brawl, he decided to then find two women who were on the ground and started to stand over them with his fist punching either one or both women. The cell phone video taken outside a Boston nightclub shows the off-duty state trooper in a heated dispute with women there. Seconds into the video, the confrontation escalates with the trooper putting this woman in a chokehold from behind and then using his hand, punching the man on the right side of the face. Shortly after you see a female trooper then grabs the man who tried to help the group of women and throws him to the ground. The man says while he was held down, three other men and the trooper came over and began punching him. We want him fired, he should not be acting like this on or off duty 
or as a man in general, all right? And then you see another photo here. And if you look closely, you see his right fist. He was not fired, he was not fired and is now going back to work in October, according to the I-team. Reached out to the attorney representing the trooper, nobody heard back. The I-team also contacted the state police about the duty status of the other troopers who were seen in the video. They did not get a response and it goes on and on. See. They're out of control, right? The government employee, that is supposed to be a noble dynamic in life. They work because of your hard work and that hard work is taxed. You give the government part of your money in order for us, for you to have effective governance. They are government employee doing this to citizens. All right, Senator Thoughts. Yeah, I agree with the person who said that this trooper should not be comporting himself this way on duty or off duty. It is a stain not only on that department, but the entire community. I am a big proponent, Doc, of those in law enforcement receiving regular psychological testing. Yep. And, and not to be punitive, you know, it's, it's a hard job. It really is. They need to be in close contact with somebody that's a professional who can determine on a regular basis whether the pressure has gotten to them so much that they're gonna do things like this. There really is no excuse for this unless this man's life was in danger. And from the footage and from what we know right now, that was certainly not the case. Had that been the average Joe or Josephine, yep. Dave Hines would be locked up right now and probably fired from their job. ASAP. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. The ASS is turning over in that grave right now. Eric, 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 look, look, he telling them who to shoot. Eric, our ASS is turning over in that grave right now. Our ASS is turning over in that grave right now, Eric. Look at me in my eyes, bro. Hey, look at me in my eyes. Look me in my eyes, Eric. Eric, 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 you know what your daddy's saying right now? You know how your daddy feeling right now? That could have been you. That could have been you. And you bitch, cut. A team, a protester, a young person was shot with a projectile from the police for peacefully protesting, okay? He got 3.75 million for the insanity of the cops. Let's put him up full mass. A jury awarded 3.75 million in damages this week to Asim Jamal Shakir Jr. He's a young film MA protester, filmmaker and protester who also shot uh, was shot twice by hard foam projectiles. Uh, this is fired by the LAPD. They've been in trouble for this before, they're still doing it. Uh, and what is thought to be the biggest award yet in lawsuits stemming from the department's response to anti-police demonstrations in 2020. They were having a good time just shooting at random people. 
after deliberating for 13 hours. Jurors on Wednesday ruled that the department was negligent. They thought they could persuade a jury. Jury said, no, the department is negligent. When one or more of his officers fired the so-called less lethal devices at the young man during a protest at down at a downtown intersection. Remember, there was no reason to fire at all. Shakir had been filming a skirmish line of officers when he recognized his LAPD officer uncle, okay? His uncle standing among the formation and confronted him shouting, quote, our ancestors are turning over in their grave right now. Moments later, Shakir alleges his uncle, Eric Anderson, directed other officers to fire a hard phone projectile at him, his own uncle, according to him. The attorney, Douglas Hicks Law. As with anything, Brother Money talks, say legitimate, long time, and some would say legendary civil rights attorney Carl Douglas. Douglas, who filed the suit on Shakir's behalf, hopes the large award will signal the department and city leaders that similar acts of police violence cannot be tolerated. The city can still appeal the court ruling. An internal affairs investigation found 11 officers within 20 feet of Shakir when he was struck, 20, but 11 came to him. 11 officers, excuse me, with 20 feet of Shakir when he was struck. But every one of them denied knowing or seeing or shooting anyone who was filming. They also said they shot nobody twice. None of this happened. The department's investigation revealed that the less lethal force that injured Shakir was never reported either. Douglas said, but his defense team sought to reconstruct the events of that day with video from a body camera and an Instagram live stream. Let's put them up. So based on their analysis, they concluded the LAPD officer, Robert Betchel, fired at least one of the, as they call it, less lethal rounds that struck the young man. On the day of the incident, Shakir had joined a group of protesters marching in downtown LA carrying two cell phones and recording himself. He approached every black officer he saw, urging them to shed their uniforms and join the call. All of that is perfectly legal, sir. I applaud him. In his Instagram live stream, Shakir can be heard trying to engage his uncle and yelling questions at other officers nearby. According to a suit, Anderson can be heard on a body camera video saying, that's my nephew and I'm going to be on his ass if he doesn't get out of here. Before apparently motioning in Shakir's direction and directing an officer to shoot him. Shakir was struck once, then a second time while he was bending down to pick up a phone that had been knocked out of his hand by the first projectile. That's according to the suit. This young man, his attorney said, had to go 
to physical therapy for a year because of the injury to his hand. And the lawsuit alleged that he still suffers pain and has had to let go of two of his favorite pastimes, boxing and shooting music videos because he can no longer grip a camera. In addition to the physical injuries, Douglas said, the encounter left Shakir emotionally bruised as well. The city is still facing a large class action lawsuit by Black Lives Matter Los Angeles and other groups over its hand, um, handling of the 2020 protest, which was insane. Several suits have been settled. We've talked about a couple of them on the show. Senator, once again, anytime a cop defunds the police, nobody from defund the police, nobody from the conservative side against defund the police will say a word. It's as if they prefer police to defund the police. They like it that way. Yeah, it's not their money. When you said you hope the department learns a lesson, they not. This ain't not the first time, it won't be the last time because it's the taxpayers money. That's right. Going towards paying these lawsuits. That's why they're not gonna get a clue. And with uncles like that, I'm thinking, damn, Unc, really? It's like, why do your nephew just pull him to the side? The uncle probably was embarrassed. He got all up in his feelings. And, and then he directs people on the force to, to do what they did to his nephew, which they should have refused to do. Right. And then lastly, I got a kind of different take on uh, this young man. I, I don't think, even though what he did was perfectly legal in terms of freedom of speech, but to me, approaching the black officers, telling them to share their uniforms, that's something to, that should not have happened. I mean, I don't think he should have taken that tack. He took it. It didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to be shot with anything for doing that. But I don't think that's the right way to approach that. I mean, we do need a black law enforcement officers and others who have a consciousness now, not because just because you're black, I mean, you have a consciousness. Right. But I don't think he should have approached it that way. He did. He didn't deserve what he got. That's right. But I just got a different. Feeling about how he went about this, and our ancestors, our ancestors rolling over in their graves for lots of reasons. Yeah, and that might be nuance. one of them, but there's some that's others. Absolutely, and that's a nuanced dynamic, right? Uh, but the other side would simply go all the way, uh, protect the police at all cost, uh, and then there's this other narrative that emerges. But definitely, your uncle telling you to telling somebody to shoot at you, and they do it. That's what I'm talking about. All right, always a pleasure having you on the program, Senator. Tell people how they can continue to follow you, check out your great work. Well, that pleasure is mine, Doc. I hope to be back more often, but they can catch me on Twitter at Nina Turner, on the gram at Nina Turner Ohio, and on, yeah, I think those are the two most important ones. I was gonna say Twitch, the same thing, at Nina Turner Ohio, but I appreciate being here with you and all the viewers. It's so good to be here. Always good, always a pleasure, sister. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.